hello everyone and welcome to episode two of the True Turf Super Series. I'm very fortunate today to be speaking to the superintendent of one of my favourite golf courses in the world, Nathan Bennett, who is at Royal Adelaide Golf Club in beautiful Adelaide, South Australia. Uh, Nathan, thanks for joining us today. No problems, Nick. My pleasure. Well, Adelaide, as I said, it's a wonderful golf course. Um, I hear it's a little bit wet there for you today, which is probably welcome in some ways, although not the yep. ladies pennant. You know, it's a regular golf course. It's in the, the top uh, number of golf courses in Australia. So it must be a, and you've, you've been there now since I think about 2011, isn't it? So you've had, yeah, that's right. you've yep. had a really, uh, a, a nice tenure there. It's probably a great place to work. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a wonderful place to work. You know, it's uh, it's a bit unique and a bit um, has its own little quirky bits to it. But it is a really special place to work. It's been around a long time, so um, a lot of history, a lot of uh, a lot of long term members, and they all have a real strong association, a real, a real you know love for the place, which is great. And that sort of reflects in the way the members uh, deal with staff and the way they treat us. And um, and it's just a, yeah, it's a wonderful place to to, to work. Right. So what got you started in turf? Um, I think you've got a farming background from what I can see. Yep. There's no secrets these days on the internet. Yep. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, how definitely. did you get into the turf industry? Uh, yeah, I was that. I, was, I worked in a wheat farm, which I loved and grew up on a, on a farm. My parents are still there. So I, I love that. And I love the idea of being able to do something with growing things and, and being outdoors. And it's a bit easier on a golf course because you can, you can manipulate the weather in a certain extent with the irrigation and, you know, whereas a dry wheat farmer, you, you can't manipulate that. It is what it is. But yeah, so that's what got me into it. I wasn't a golfer. I didn't play golf really at all until I started work. I still don't play much golf, but um, got me into just being outdoors, loving the, uh, and loving the, I suppose, the look of a golf course and how it presents. So that's what got me into it. I did some experience in some really, at some, some good clubs and some great people. And then an opportunity arose when I finished year 12 and took the apprenticeship and uh, I've loved it ever since. So it's been, uh, it's been wonderful. Doing your apprenticeship, where did that land you? How did you start uh, your, your journey through that apprenticeship? Um, yes, yeah, so I did work experience at uh, Murray Downs, which is where Richard Forsyth had built uh, there. And I did work experience under him. He moved to Metro about three, about three months later. I was then towards the year 12, but it was an apprenticeship opportunity available. So I, um, yeah, I grabbed that. Never, never wanted to live in Melbourne, but I love the opportunity, love the idea of working at a club like Metro. Obviously, it's great, wonderful opportunity. So I worked there for about eight years. Um, loved every minute of it. It was such an incredible place to work, but also an incredible group of guys to work with. Richie was a, an exceptional leader, as he still is, and to be able to have the guys that were under him and maybe be a part of those guys, which was great, great learning experience. And I, I couldn't have wished for a better start in my career working at a place like that and under some people that were there. So did that for about, yeah, as I eight years, did my apprenticeship and then become foreman there. And I worked along really closely with Dave Mace. That Dave Mace now is up, up in Brisbane, has just left Metro to go to Brisbane. So um, he's put some flippers on and some snorkels up there <laughs> carrying on. So, um, so and so Dave and I worked, worked pretty closely as foremans. And then uh, from there, uh, we, I moved on from, from there. So yeah, it um, was great, great opportunity, great club to start at. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Metro, as, as you're saying, a great club, um, some of the most finely tuned agronomy practices there in the world. I, I always see the fairways, they're a bit like carpet. Um, yep. you know, that grounding, I suppose, in preparation of that facility for those members, they've got high expectations, but always yep. delivered. Um, that's, yep. I suppose, really giving you a great start into your journey as a course superintendent. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that you're right there. That we did a lot of construction there, but it really is a metro's really focused on turf quality. And it's, it, that's what they hang their hat on, which is great. So uh, I had a really good, strong grounding man, then left and went up to went down to Moon Links under Lee Yang, 
Dan and Lee was a part of the crew that was at Metro when I was there. So Dan to, Dan to Lee and did some tournaments down there with him. Did finish the growing of the Legends course and then had two Aussie Opens down there under Lee, which was great. Different, different course. It was um, tournament stadium built course, um, coastal, windy. That whole a, a really chalk and cheese compared to Metro. Yeah. And the, and the membership feel as well, um, but loved it. Loved the being able to present the course um, for those two tournaments, but also grow it, open it, and growing it in. So and and had some residential parts of that as well. Mm. Left there, went to the Sands and Torquay, which was a bit of a mixture. It was a private course that was trying to grow. It had uh, it had just been opened up. A lot more residents around the outside of the course. Um, a fairly strong expectation from the owner and from the members that have come from a, some small clubs into that club that were really wanted to to have the course at the next level. So that was really good learning experience. Lots of issues down there with uh, the top of soil was built on and the water quality and all the bits and pieces that come with it. So um, you can't sometimes you you know you, you often golf course are built on the poorest bit of land, not the best bit of land. So that's that was the case down there. So but had a great opportunity, great time there. Worked had some great staff there my way through so I spent about another five five years at the sands and then lucky enough to gain the superintendent's position over here at um, at ra and uh, been here for about 10 nearly yeah, 10 and a half years a yeah. bit seen a fair bit of change here in that time as well been an amazing experience over here as well and you know you sort of take all that metropolitan you know pristine to our uh, info or knowledge from there and then the coastal field down at moon links and then the the issues that come on with the sands and what we try to do there and sort of combine it all to try and get the best out of what we can get out of here so that's what's yeah. uh that's how it's got me to this point really wow that's a that's a great journey and, and to land at uh at royal adelaide is uh, an outstanding yeah. achievement for yourself and recognition yeah, for a lot of hard work so and that's yeah. it royal adelaide been around since the late 1800s um few yep. designers have had their touch on it certainly dr Alison mckenzie at one stage as well and yep. um i'm not sure who you i think you're working with Dope at the moment is there a consultant yep, architect here. at the moment yeah so, doug's our, our designer here at the moment our architect so uh, he, him and his associate so we have brian slornick is doing most of the work uh he when he gets the opportunity to get out it's pretty difficult at the moment with yep. COVID and restrictions with uh getting in and out but it's getting closer we're hoping he can be out in the next month or two to do just go over some stuff we want to work on so yep. there's nothing glaring that we need to be fixing but we just want to be relevant and continue to to just fine tune some of the stuff that need to be done and some of that thing is just cutting lines or bunkering improvements yep. or just lots of little things we want to keep working on but i think if you sit back and think you've you've nailed it and don't do anything i think that's when other clubs continue to move forward and and we just want to be at that pointy end so Absolutely. i just keep uh working on the, the poorest bit and just keep taking the taking the weakest bits out and improving those if we can yeah so is that the sort of play when i know when you have architects in play play um you know how much of your preparation focuses around keeping the, I suppose, the true sense of the architecture or the, the semblance of the architecture for Royal Adelaide? Yeah, we do. We really, we're strong on trying to present it as traditional as possible. So we, we try and uh, improve turf quality. Turf quality is always really important and playability for members. And you want members walking away you know the old story if your greens are great everything else is you know good but if your greens are no good then that's when the complaints come so we just try and make sure the turf port is really good playing services are great and then uh work our way out from there but we do have a strong focus on trying to be traditional as possible and not jazz it up too much we would try and have it as minimalist um exposing some sand um just trying to you know and, and we are a links course we have very few trees and most of the course to try and encourage that rough that gets out there and that's that's what we're trying to present that kind of course that is a bit different to the most of the tracks over here you know over here there's a lot of trees and a lot of 
um, some great golf courses, but we were just trying to be a bit different to everyone else. And we look at a lot of the old photos and see all the sandy areas and all the waste areas, just trying to continue to be, as it was designed when Alistair McKenzie was here, you know, his little stamp on it, yep. very few trees, a lot of sand. That's what we're trying to produce, where, where, where there is the sand anyway. So that's what we're trying to I, I saw an image on the uh, Instagram account uh, for ROGC Greens the other day that showed the difference. I, I can't remember the exact date from, but there was a, yeah. a time range that showed 87 the, till yeah. this year. And it's huge. People are looking at it, uh, you know, be a good one to view, um, certainly, um, the way in which I suppose turf qualities have been improved over that time. I suppose yeah. irrigation has got a lot to play with. Oh, absolutely. Adelaide Huge. can be a harsh environment sometimes in the middle of summer. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, they say it's the driest, dry, the driest state in the driest continent. So it's, mm. you know, we only average about, I think, 400 millimetres a year. So right. Queensland okay. get that in the rain a bit, but we, that's all we get a year pretty much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's going to be pretty brutal. So, um, yeah, and, and which we like because we can, you know, without getting too much rain, we can, we've got plenty of water so we can manipulate that that environment by putting out water where we need to and being really accurate with where we put it out. Don't want to water that's, we don't want to water anything that's not on playing surface. Yep. If it's not a playing surface, we don't water it. So yep. that's how we, we've got to run with. And that's a wonderful place to be if you've got the ability to be able to do that. You, you talked yeah. about water and being the driest state, the driest continent. Um, so you've got a, you said you had a good water supply. How do you manage that? Is yep. it uh, a mixture of harvesting or do you just have a good? Uh, yep. Both, yep. So we have bore water, so a great supply of water, really a large aquifer, but we also recharge our system. So we have about a, a, a large catchment area between here and the city, and a lot of that water runs through, um, comes through about a three-foot pipe when it rains like it is now. It's solid for, you know, yeah. for, for days. So we inject, we go through our wetlands and we inject it. So we inject anywhere between 150 to 200 meg down into the bores. Right. And then pull that back out during summer. So we have our our allocation, and on top of our allocation, we we also have what we inject. Mm. And that water injection not only gives us more water, but it also means our water quality is better because we yeah. before we put this in, the water quality was getting quite salty. Whereas now we don't get above probably maybe five hundred parts per million for the yeah. for that um, yeah. amount of water we have. So we're pretty much, in theory, we're pretty much drought proof. We have endless amounts of water with uh, in in. We, we couldn't use the water we have allocated anyway. Yeah. Put it. So we have a great, which means we can alter, we can adjust irrigation without thinking, oh, we haven't got enough water. We can irrigate where we need to. And we, we try and be as strong or as accurate as we can with just watering the services, but we can adjust those where we need to to either expand service or bring them in yep. or whatever it is for the designer rather than, rather than the designer being uh, manipulated or constrained by water. Yep. amounts we have we can do what we want and we can fit it in so yeah it's, it's, it's a great, great story great, sustain, great. yeah great story sustainability as well then if yeah, you're absolutely. able to harvest that water put it back into the aquifer and, and keep it turning yep. around it's uh, it's good yeah. for the environment as well absolutely because that water would normally go into the ocean which would be imagine the contaminants so we we pull we have a sediment pond the first pond that it goes to every second or third year we pull we clean it out we get about 150 ton of leaf litter, just organic matter, mm. you name it, it gets in there and we dig it all out and get rid of it. And that would normally be in the ocean. So we yeah. collect that, clean the water, goes into and clean all the, the greases and all the stuff that comes out, goes through the reeds, they, the reeds clean it, then we inject it. Uh, it's, it's tested regularly before it goes down. So that mm -hmm. water would normally get out. So it's not, which means when it's a double-edged sword, it's helping us, but it's also helping the environment by us not letting the water get out and we're able to use less of the water that's in the aquifer so it helps yeah. other people in the aquifer because we're not putting so much pressure on it yeah no that's that's excellent and yeah. um you do talk about those changing climatic conditions and i think royal adelaide looks it's best sometimes in summer when you've got the brown wispy grasses in the rough and, oh, yeah. and those sort of things highlighting by the by the fairways and the greens 
Yeah, so we, um, even though that class is on the sand belt, we're probably only half on the sand. The other half's on heavy clay. So mm. I don't like today when it's wet, it's can be pretty muddy. So during winter, we don't shine very well. We're, we're pretty, the course can be pretty average come, in, come winter time, but we can't control that. It is what it is. We try and do as much as we can with drainage, but we can't drain anywhere because it's it's flat. So yeah. um, and when it gets in the sand dunes, it's a whole different uh, whole different ball game. But um, yeah, we do. We are really seasonal here. Where you know during summer we get that burnt off rough, and and we get during spring we have a long green rough and it dries off, and then come winter time it's a bit bit thin and muddy. And we have common mm. cooch on fairways. So some of those commons are awesome during summer, but not so awesome during winter. Yeah. Worms pop up. The worm castings become an issue. But you know the members are understanding of that that they they're in a belief as I am that we shouldn't be out killing worms for the sake of having a clean fairway. So we try. Yeah. And balance that act a little bit um and they're really good at that they're un they understand some years are worse than others we've had some really bad wet years which creates a bit of a stir in the membership about what we can do about it and then we have some normal wet years where it's not a big mm. deal so yeah it's just about educating members on that part of it so um, but the course does change a lot in seasons most a lot of clubs don't but we do we, mm. we're quite seasonal with how we present as well and so from that seasonal aspect, as you're saying, you've got heavy clay, you've got some great sand as well. How does that then um, frame the the work for you from an agronomy point of view, thinking about how you might need to manage the grasses on different sand types or soil types? Yeah, so we're lucky all the greens are built out of the one sand. So greens are pretty standard. You know, they're all treated the same, obviously. Uh, fairways, definitely. Agronomy, not so much because we're really um, little and often with our fertilizer trying to keep that, trying to reduce the amount of batch or um, any organic matter build up. We have a mixture of commons and some santorana. So we're, we're mindful of the santorana taking a lot more maintenance. So we're trying to keep that at a minimum if we can. Um, but coming to, you know, we do a lot of aerating during the, the spring and autumn, trying to open areas up and trying to get some um, some air in there. And then comes wintertime, we probably don't try and open up as much because it only gets in probably about 100 mil and water sits there anyway and becomes really boggy. So it's that sort of stuff. Um, we have issues with polar control on those heavier areas as well with um, some of our, the chemicals now, the chemistry is not working as well as it used to. So having a hard time to control the polar in those areas. But in terms of treating areas differently, probably not a lot. We try and make sure everything's, everything's the same and we're, we're getting better and better at that. We're a lot more uniformity than that than there was. We're getting better each year at trying, trying different things and our renovation practices in renovating fairways, trying to do areas that I suppose the, the sandy areas uh, get better growth, but probably don't get as thick. Whereas the common air, that sort of heavy areas don't grow as well, but when they grow during summer, they'll take off and get quite spongy. So we just try and manipulate where we renovate heavier and where we don't. So it's a bit of a balancing act in those areas. So, What grass are you running on the greens at Royal Adelaide? Uh, apart from the power, we run yeah. uh, a mixture of um, four bent grasses. So we have G2, Seaside, Highland and Pencross. So a mixture of four, which has been great for the last sort of 15 years, um, which will we continue with the issue we have four of those, two of those grasses don't exist anymore, we can't get them. So we're trying to do some more trials now on when we do a, a seeding of a green, we're gonna be able to do it with still four varieties because we want that old school feel where they colonize and become mm. patchy. And um, that's what we want, but we just, we can't with two of them that we've lost. So we've done some trials now with some different variations on one of our chipping greens, just to see whether we can um, get that, uh, some other variations we can throw in. And we may in time oversell our existing greens with the new varieties to try and make sure they're all the same when we do rebuild one. But, you know, I think back in the day, people, used to oversow greens every year when they renovated and that's probably why greens were all different varieties and whatever the whatever grass was 
available that year is what they would seed with. Whereas that's probably the field we're going with, trying to create that multiple appearance rather than the, yep. and the uniform greens look great, but it's probably not the field we want here. We want it to be natural and we want to continue with that multiple appearance. So yeah, yeah the four different, they're the four varieties we're running with. Probably not the best varieties out there, but they're the four they chose probably 15 years ago and they work well. And, you know, I think every grass variety has got their, got the good and bad points. I think once you, doesn't matter what you've got, you just got to work out how to manage that variety, you know? You, yeah. We could always throw them out and put a new one in, but then you got to work how to manage that one. So we just took with what we've got and away we go. And as you said, I think you've got to look at what works for the venue and uh, yeah. and how that works. There's no point putting something in that's not going to work. So uh, if that works, then then you run with it and, and manage yeah. it the best way you can. So, yeah, definitely. Um, a few unique things about Royal Adelaide, of course, is the, the train line running all the way through the middle of the, the golf course. And I think it's been yep. used as a, the station's been put in for past Australian Opens. Um, yeah, all, all sorts of stuff, yep. Yeah. So how do you manage that? To, you know, obviously it creates its own risks and hazards, I suppose. Uh, yeah, well, that's probably a biggest issue is the risk. It's not so much, um, there's no management golf course wise, it's just about staff and staff yeah. and golfers. And it's really important to us that we continually remind staff because it's you come a bit complacent with it. And uh, yeah. you're driving, you get across it, you always got to make sure you're looking both ways. Because it, even, it does about 50 kilometers. So it's not fast, but it mm. still stinks up on you pretty quick. So, um, and it goes for every 15 minutes. It's not as if it's a once a day, it goes for every 15 minutes staff get you got to you know we and there, there's one there's five crossings we would cross it uh our sheds right beside it so we, we cross it a lot um becomes an issue with more for um the golfer too and we have shotgun starts and all of a sudden there's 130 players to clubhouse and the, and the train line's only 10 meters from the clubhouse so mm. you, you know all of a sudden you get 150 players that all want to spread out across the golf course and they all just like browns cows and away they go so you got to try and control them until the train goes past them let them go and a lot of people want to get close and get photos and the train drivers get really really testy on that because it, all these members all these golfers are all getting photos and kids are putting coins on the coins in the train line again all that stuff still happens so it's yeah. trying to manage that and we because we try and we, we obviously we want to make sure everyone's safe but also yeah. the last thing we want is for them to say we've got to put a fence up because mm, that true. would be you know it would be brutal on the golf course putting a fence up really does change everything and then having um, boom gates or chicanes where we cross the across the crossings would be a disaster for us. So mm. it's really important that we love the train line. We want to make sure we have it. So we to make sure we try and mitigate the risk of anyone getting too close or getting getting near it. So um, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a catch twenty two. Yeah. Have I still got you there? Oh, my phone's just rang. Yes, um, it's right. a bit of a catch twenty two. Um, that. Um, making sure that's still happening and make sure it's still working okay and that th there isn't an issue for that train coming through and, um, and getting too close to any any of us yeah yeah no that's right certainly a new unique one and uh want to keep it that way um 2020 yeah. you held the women's australian open um yep. that was i think almost the last time it was run from uh, from a COVID yeah. perspective and uh, going to be rejoining with the men's australian open uh, in the Sandbelt, which will be quite a unique format uh, yep. uh, when it's next run. But um, tournament preparation, obviously, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and holding a major event like the Women's Australian Open, uh, I think it's co-sanctioned with the old PGA. So must have been a lot of work to get there, but a very satisfying thing once it's all done. Yeah, it is. You know, we did, we had one in 2017 and then we did the 220. It was only, I think, when we had that within four weeks after that, then the the world shut down pretty much so um yeah it's it's a great experience to go through and you, you you do a few of them and you get you understand what's what's needed and you sort of lead from that you work out the end the end date and work your way forward and work out when you need to start doing things so it's a really good experience to be a part of 
personally, but also with the staff and the members. The members got to get to experience how a tournament's showcased and it's their golf course and they get really proud of it. So I think um, it's great to have, you know, we put a lot of, a huge amount of work goes into it and you sort of touch wood, you have the right weather. That's what it comes, a lot of it comes down to the right weather and it culminates right to that end date on that Sunday afternoon when it showcased, gets showcased off. So it's really, um, it's a big reward. Uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of hours and time away from family gets and goes into it to get it. Um, but it's great. It really is a, 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 um, a great event to be a part of any, any, any televised event, whether it be golf or other, you know, events out there yeah. is really, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. And I think the industry is really supportive. We have a lot of volunteers come and help out. People want to get involved that would not necessarily have an opportunity to be a part of a, an event at their course. So, you know, we would have, maybe um, 15 to 20 volunteers come and help out. And then that then comes down to the industry suppliers, supplying machines to help out and all the little bits and pieces that go on and on. Little things like you sort of don't think about, but supplying uniforms and supplying yep. meals for those people and then supplying the facility to be able to facilitate them sitting down at once to have a meal and yeah. all that stuff goes on. So it's having the industry really rally together and help provide that. And it's, yeah. it is, even though it's here, I think it's a really good thing for the industry to have those events to you know for people to have an experience and you know we haven't had them for a few years and it's going to be great having this one in victoria which is going to be you know really unique having the, the men and women together it's going to be interesting to see how that goes with with crowds and spectators between the two but it's great it's a great initiative um see where it lands with um having that scenario but i think it'll be great to um to see golf events back on you know back on the rotation it's been a while Absolutely. you know it's going to take a little while i think before we get international guys coming out readily like they were but um it'll it'll happen once we get one or two under our belt it'll take off again but no um, it, it is it's a wonderful thing to be a part of and not not a lot of, not a lot of people get to do it so when you do do it you know i never take it for granted because i've done a few of them and it really gives it's a wonderful experience um as i said it's hard work but it all you know it's paid off at the end when it's um when it's on tv yeah absolutely and from a um, preparation point of view, not just for every for tournaments, but for everyday use, um, how does rolling greens rolling play a part for you in your course preparation? Oh, it's huge for us. We um, we roll more than we cut. So we uh, like with like all this is we try and the our minimalist approach, small amount of nitrogen, if any, just to keep them ticking along. Um, so we don't we probably cut twice a week, all year mm -hmm. round. At most, maybe three during if we get a bit of a growth uh, spurt through some weather. But Mondays and Fridays, rest of the time we roll. So we roll Saturdays every Saturday. We roll every Wednesday. We roll Sundays if we need to, and probably a Thursday. So we, our maintenance regime is we dust every two to three weeks during that sort of September through April period. So we um, we dust on the Monday, and then we roll after that because obviously we don't want the sand going through the mower. So we roll. But we also time green. So our greens get timed every week. We send two pro cores and a verdi drain out and we prop we time greens all of them every week and then we roll them on the wet. So that's on the Wednesday morning, we roll straight away. So members don't know we do it, or they, they see the machines but oblivious to what happens. So by having the rolls and the, the rolling flattening those greens out after the time, we wouldn't be able to do that without these rollers. So the rollers produce that true firm service once they've been timed and then we my roll on the, on the on the Thursday after it as well. And then we'll roll on a Saturday to produce another true surface. Cutting is great and cutting finds a leaf up and gives us a really great surface, but the rolling gives us that true firm surface that we, we chase, which what all members chase really. So we um, 
Yeah, so that's a rolling is probably the most, I would say, for preparation, the most important tool we have. Cutting is great, but rolling is the bit that gets us um, the surface we need. And and you can always speed up a green with another with another roll or whatever it is. But it does definitely produce that true surface is what um, you know what all superintendents pretty much chase. Yeah, and you've been a true turf user for quite a while. You know, why have you chosen yeah. true turf to be the roller of choice for yourselves? Well, I think it's you know tried and tested. You know, we I've I've used true turf for the last probably. Ooh, I can't remember what time we used it. The old smooth yeah. roll, which were, they were a beast when you got hold of them. When they were new, yeah. they were probably good, but then they become a, a dinosaur. But, you know, I can for the last 20 years, I've more than mm. that, maybe 25 years. So um, just because the, the ease at which they are, the, the usability of them, um, the way they just flip over, connect up, tow, they tow around they're, with the electric ones, which is what we have now, they're quiet. Mm. They are simple to use, and that's why it's easy to easy to use. They're easy to use, easy to get a young guy trained up on it, mm. and get him or her on the roller and away they go. And it just produces a great surface. So, and I think you know, keeping it simple is what it is. They're they're pretty they're pretty simple machines, and they but they do a great job. And um, and uh, you know, that's probably why they've been tried tried and tested for a long time. And you know, when it ain't broke, why fix it? So. Correct. Correct. Now heading into winter, about to start winter, I suppose. What's the next focus for you at uh, at Royal Adelaide? Uh, just those odd jobs that we don't get to do during the winter, the summer mm. period. So we're back into the vegetation stuff and you know the old stuff, bunkers, paths, tree work, all that gear that we work on now. Probably some drainage works where we need to. These are the times you sort of all of a sudden kick yourself and didn't do the drainage in summer because we're starting to sharp now. But yeah, just some of those things. We we tend to we. We don't tend to do big drainage tasks because we've got nowhere to drain it to. So we just tend to big, dig big sit, uh, sump pits. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes we just use large augers and auger, you know, you go down two metres into the ground t- groundwater and put some sand in it and away they go. So we do mm-hmm. a lot of those during the winter period. But our, this fo- our focus now is primarily um, just those odd jobs we can't do during the um, during the summer period. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of a lot of shed work does it today back in the shed doing the, you know, cleaning up and painting and all that sort of stuff. And then um, splitting wood, tree, uh, tree line, cleaning up around the fences and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Lots of uh, lots of odd jobs that sometimes get a bit monotonous after a while, but, you know, they need to be done. Need you just done. can't do it when they're busy. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And I know you don't get a lot of time to play, but, you know, Royal Adelaide's got such a fantastic mix of, of holes out there. Is there is there one place on the course that you find is your favourite? Oh, yeah, there's, you know, all there's some great holes out there, but um, I was asked this a little while ago on another sort of podcast. It's the, probably the, we have a rotunda, rotunda sits on top of the mm-hmm. course, which sees a lot of it and you see then the sunrise and the sunset from up there you can see the city the beaches out you can't see the water but you can you know it's not far away the coastline it's a really good spot you can see that probably two-thirds of the golf course from up there the clubhouse all the open links feel the train running through so up there on top of the hill it's a beautiful spot and then you can see about six holes six green complexes all coming into that one spot so you can see all the different play if you're watching a tournament great spot to watch it from up there so it's pretty special and a lot of People don't think about it. They play golf and they walk past and continue chasing the white ball around. But when you get an opportunity to stop and have a look and have a think about it, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty good spot. So um, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I think I think it is a good time for reflection uh, if you get up to the top of the hill, especially before you tackle the par three down the hill, which is quite yes. a challenging <laughs> hole. It so is. It may be a chance to reassess your round. <laughs> yes, I reckon you might be working out whether you continue to play or whether you should pack it away. But yeah, it is. It's a great uh, great spot. And as you said, there's a few holes there that can be pretty brutal in that area. So. Um, can reassess your golfing ability when you get to that point. 
Yeah. Well, Nathan, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you on the True Turf Super Series. Um, wish you all the best, and uh, hopefully, might see you at the uh, Asthma Conference coming up uh, in the next in the next month. And uh, good luck for the rest of your career at Royal Adelaide. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Cheers. Bye. Thank you.